Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Once airborne, we'll let you know when you may use approved electronic devices, but note that some items may not be used. Welcome back for another episode of the Cobra Cast with the President VP. I'm your host, Rifty Ricky the Prez Logan, and co-host Ricky Et Dog VP Etridge. Uh, and we're we've just finished a massive week in the US. We're uh, we're ready to head home, and we're just got to make a stop on the way back. So where are we stopping off before we head home, mate? Yeah. So look, I said that we're going to the Philippines, but then I realised that. During this trip, I made a few mistakes. You weren't too happy, so I decided to straighten it, mate. We're actually going to go the Bogota, Bogota. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Bogota, Bogota in uh, Colombia. We're going to detour via there first before we make our way back across the uh, near home. So off to Colombia today, mate. And I got a phone call from Russians saying we need to stop past on the way home. So figure now it's the best time to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, um smart call to go there before philippines obviously and we we do have does to this, get back does this make up for my absolute butchering of the trip in america not at all but okay. uh we'll live with it but we do have to get back because we're back we're going to get back to trading mate so it's oh, yeah, uh, good how good's it been so we're not going to you know, hide any facts here these episodes are recorded quite well in advance due to the fact that training is coming back so we want to make sure that we get can keep putting these out so these intros will be sort of done the week of so that's why when we're chatting to James, we may be mentioning, you know, football's three weeks away, yet it's actually here. Um, but yeah, how good is it to be the boys back at training, kicking the footies around? Obviously, socially distancing and only groups of 20 and all that stuff. No contact, no high fives, but yeah, how good is it? Yeah, it's been good. I think a few of the boys uh, enjoyed a isolation. Hard. Yeah, well, a few have uh, enjoyed themselves a little too much during ISO, but a few aren't coming to grips with the fact that we have to just get to training, no butt slaps, no high fives, just train and then get in our cars and leave. And a few of them would not shut up about the fact that they can't have a beer after training, which was, uh, mate, I think it's, we're not going to hear the end of that whinging until the day we can actually get in the bar and have a beer, I think. Yeah, look, I'm all, I'm first one that loves a beer after training and I've had to come to terms with it. So, you know, the boys think we're doing it because we don't want to hang around. Well, no, if they attended meetings when they were meant to, they would know all about it. <laughs> exactly. If they've read the post and many posts and attended meetings, they would know, but, you know. But anyway, mate, let's, let's, get, get, across, to let's get across to Columbia, mate, because uh, you know, if we get back to footy. 
That's it, mate. So let's go speak to Jane from the Bogota Bulldogs and learn a bit about Colombian football. Oh, welcome to the show. And today we would like to welcome uh, one of the founding members of the Bogota Bulldogs. Bogota Bulldogs, I should say. Yeah, the Bogota Bulldogs. Bogota, uh, <laughs> uh, James Carantzoulis. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Pleasure uh, to be here. Thanks for joining us. Um, so you are from Australia, moved over to Colombia, back in Oz, stuck in isolation at the moment. So it's what better time than to get on and chat to us about the Bogota Bulldogs and uh, fill us in how they got started. So first of all, how did you bloody end up in Colombia to begin with? Uh, well, mate, I... It was in 2014, and mate and I decided to decided to go to Brazil. We bought tickets to uh, the World Cup and to, to follow the Socceroos. So we. Uh, All right, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to pull you up right there, mate. Do you hear that, Rifty? He's following soccer, mate. So that's for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. So we, uh, yeah, we bought tickets to go and see the the Socceroos in 2014, and we we got um, we got to Brazil uh, at the end of May. And uh, we were there for a month watching the footy. Um, we met an Aussie guy there in Rio during our stay there. And uh, he was telling us all about Colombia um, and mentioned to us that we should, if we had time, we should go there and visit. Um, so during the rest of my travels, um, it was in the back of my mind. And when I got to Bolivia about four months later, um, I gave him a call and said, mate, I'm interested in coming. And then he just basically said, well, mate, you can come here. You can do this, this and this. Um, and everything he said to me was, you know, all positive. So I went there, stayed for the month and just thought this place is great. Um, I came back home for Christmas that year. Uh, and then in January, uh, I picked up and that was in 2015. Uh, I got there and, you know, fast forward to now, up until a month and a half ago, I've been living in Colombia, in Bogota and uh, living and working there. And it's been a really, really interesting experience. Uh, before I get on to the, the next question about the, the Bulldogs, how did your parents take it when you told them, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay in Colombia now. I'm pretty right over here. Uh, yeah, obviously a little bit uh, shocked at first. You don't really hear too many things about that side of the world, South America, and everything that you do here is a little bit negative. Um, so for them, it was a bit weird that their Australian son was thinking about staying and living in South America. Um, they came to visit me about seven months after I moved there. And once they saw that everything was all right, um, they really didn't have any other worries, to be honest. Uh, we went to a couple of places around the country. They enjoyed themselves a lot. They saw more of South America as well. They did some more traveling afterwards, went to Machu Picchu and did things like that. Um, so they weren't too concerned after actually coming and visiting and seeing how the place was. But um, you know, for, for people, especially here from Australia, you don't really hear too many positive things from that side of the world. It's usually corruption this or um, drug related things that um, and you know Netflix doesn't help anybody out with the information that gets that gets broadcasted uh, so yeah I, I can tell anybody who's who's interested in going there it's not like the Netflix version at all you can go there and you can enjoy yourself and you can feel safe yeah I was gonna say I reckon the two thoughts would go through most blokes heads if their mate was like oh, I'm just I'm gonna stay in Colombia it's they've been kidnapped or they have found something quite cheap over there that's quite expensive over here. Uh, yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> that, that's what you would be thinking. However, 
Um, you know, it's, it's surprising the amount of expats that live there. Um, you start to wonder, you know, what's bringing all these people there? And then you get to know the country, you get to know the people, you get to know the continent as a whole, the culture and things like that. And uh, you start thinking to yourself, you know, you know what, this actually isn't that bad. Uh, you know, it's all, a lot of things are different in terms of the cultural stuff, but um, you really get involved with it. And it's actually quite pleasing once you get in there. Yeah. Well, before we get on, Rifty, one of our, my mates, um, Jared Moyer, he actually traveled pretty much backpacked throughout South America and the Middle East and all that type of stuff, I think, over the last couple of years. And he was saying majority of the best places he's actually visited were the ones that were, you know, had a negative view in the media. So I definitely understand exactly what you mean by that. Anyway, Rifty, let's go back to footy. <laughs> right, yeah, let's, let's get steady the ship. All right, so you are one of the founding members of the Bogota Bulldogs. Uh, when was the club started and how did it all come about? Uh, mate, so we... A bunch of us got together. I, through this bloke who I met in, um, in Brazil, uh, started meeting a bunch of the Aussie expats there. And um, a couple in particular were, were interested in having a kick. And then the rest of us said, yeah, of course, we'll absolutely do it. Um, so we got the word out about having a kick of the footy. And then all of a sudden, a few of these other Aussies came out of the woodwork. And the first session we had, there was about 20-odd people there. Um, and it was really good just to have something from back home in a foreign place, everybody was was on the same page in terms of what we're doing. You know, it just felt like you were at home. Um, you know, kicking the footy, then the banter started coming out, things like that, and just made it feel like you were back home. Some part of Australia was there with us, and uh, so that's pretty much how it started, mate. About 2015, we started doing it more and more often uh, to the point where we got so we were so in, into everything that we were doing, so. So 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 enjoyable to do it. There was a huge rainstorm one time we were together. You know, a couple of a couple of millimeters of, of rain. Everything was completely soaked, and the ball was like a soggy, soggy soap bar. But you know, we all just enjoyed it so much, and we thought, you know, we've got to continue this. And uh, 2016, we officially became the Bogota Bulldogs, and through one of the founding members, we were able to um, get in touch with another team who's in South America, the Santiago Saints in Chile, and everything really took off from there once we were able to get in contact with another team it was all systems go and we didn't look back yeah it's awesome nice uh backstory to the club so why did you choose the bulldogs and one of the things i like to know is what's the club's song so we chose the bulldogs uh, as a name basically because it was a bit of alliteration there bb the bogota bulldogs that's uh that seeped through to our domestic competition we created um three domestic teams, basically just to have some competition within ourselves. And uh, two of them have BB as well, the Bogota Bombers and the Bogota Bull Ants. Um, so that's the name, mate. Then the, the club song, we don't actually have a song. Um, possibly because we don't play that many competitive games as the Bogota Bulldogs. And also because of the language differences, uh, not many of the blokes speak both of the languages. So um, we wouldn't understand what we'd be singing. So <laughs> but that's something we need to consider. Yeah. Uh, if you uh, need a songwriter and want something unique, head over to Wisconsin Wombat's Facebook page and get in contact with the bloke who wrote their song. It's an absolute ripper. But um, who was the first club? Uh, who, who was the first game against? So how many plays did you have for that game? So we played against the Santiago Saints, which was in 2016. They came up to Bogota to play us. Um, we had a bit of an advantage over them in that Bogota's at altitude, 2,600 meters or so. Uh, so, you know, we sort of thought we're a chance here, even if we don't have the skill level, 
the fitness factor will come in and we can hopefully run over them. So we played, we played them. Um, uh, and in the lead up, we'd had quite a few people turn up to trainings. Uh, we'd got a good bunch of core players together and it wasn't just Australians. It was a good mix of um, Europeans, North Americans and Colombians, of course. Um, and they came up to play us, I think mid to late, mid to late part of that year. Um, and we ended up having about 50 odd people participate in the game. We had uh, a full team and an extended bench. We gave some players to, to Chile because they were, they were short for a few subs. And there's probably 40 or 50 odd people that were participating in the game. Um, and we managed to get a bit of hype about the game as well, considering it was the first, uh, the first AFL game in South America. Um, we were trying to hype it up as much as possible. So we ended up having a bit of a crowd there, 100 or so people. Um, mostly Colombians who had no idea about the game and were just watching a bunch of, a bunch of expats running around with a, with, a, with a ball they've never seen before. Um, but, but yeah, it was such, an, such a great experience and something that um, all of us all still talk about uh, being the first blokes to, to be able to participate in the in Aussie Rules game in South America. Yeah, it's something that uh, I'm pretty sure before you, got, got, yeah, before you got across there, it was never something you'd ever thought you'd do. Is Anywhere in the world is be the first one, be the one to organise the first ever game in the world in that uh, area. Um, so was it... Hold on. Sorry, Rift, you up, mate. My apologies. <laughs> oh, good. Um, on the, the sort of language barrier you mentioned, um, in Colombia, is the main language Spanish, Portuguese or what? Uh, so the in South America in general, the the major language is Spanish. The majority of the countries are Spanish-speaking countries. Brazil is the Portuguese-speaking nation, and there are a couple other um, colonies, um, Dutch and French. Uh, but the main language is is, is Spanish. Uh, and in Colombia, the the levels of uh, bilingualism, English Spanish, is not too high. Um, so the majority of the people who play with us who are locals um, are mostly Spanish-speaking. There are a few that that have a decent command of English, but on the whole, uh, the Spanish speakers. And so do you, have you speak Spanish yourself? Have you? I do. Yeah. I, yeah, mate, I did. I, uh, I learned Spanish. I wanted to, to be immersed as much as possible in the, in the culture and not just, um, be living there without being able to communicate and interact with people. So, um, I took the time to, to learn the language and, um, very fortunate now that I'm able to, to communicate with the locals. Um, because, you know, if you go around the country, you're traveling and whatnot, um, you're not going to find too many people that have a command of the English language. And you know, to be honest, it's not, not something that I should be expecting if I go to a foreign country that doesn't have English as an official language or as their first language. Um, I've got to make the effort to be able to communicate with other people. So uh, at least in my viewpoint. So I was um, always, always willing to learn. And um, I'm very happy that I've been able to do that because the people who have come to the club since we've started, um, not all of them have been able to speak English, so it's been great to be able to communicate with them uh, and get to know them and you know, befriend these people and, and, and have them come back on a regular basis to the club. That's, that's freaking awesome. Uh, our coaches have enough trouble getting their message across to our all-English-speaking all <laughs> team. So the fact that you're going to do it you know, in two different languages to, to get it across to all the players, that's, that's impressive. Um, but you guys also have a women's team. So how did the women's team come about? We do, mate. We do have a women's team. Um, look, in the beginning, we tried to get all the WAGs involved. Uh, that 
that first attempt wasn't that successful. That only happened, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of training sessions in a row. And then they sort of said, no, we're not really interested in the on-field stuff or more on the off-field um, stuff to do with the Bulldogs. But we were fortunate enough to have some girls who were participating in rugby come and uh, train with us. And uh, once they saw the game, once they started participating in the training, it was like a duck to water. They basically used all of their uh, rugby nows in terms of, you know, contact and um, ball control, things like that, all these transferable skills that they had from rugby um, to start playing AFL. And um, yeah, after that, it was basically just uh, one girl telling another girl, their friends started coming um, and it really expanded from there. We were lucky enough to get to a point where we had a, a full team as such for the, for the women's and um, we were able to get an international, an international match with the girls. The first one also in South America against one of the USAFL or a combined USAFL um, team. Uh, and this was six months or so after we'd started with the girls. Um, and it was great just to watch them from where they'd begun, obviously not really knowing the, not really knowing the, the game or anything like that. But after they, after they started training with us, they absolutely loved it. And then when we got the chance to, for them to play against the girls who had been in an established league, um, it was great to see them use their skills. And actually, they won the game, which was, um, which was exciting for us. The team, the team and the club as a whole were just so happy for the, for the girls. But um, it's, been, it's, been, it's, pretty, it's been a pretty, pretty quick transition for them. Um, we started off, obviously, with a lot more men playing. But once the girls started coming, and word of mouth spread, um, more and more started coming and we were just very happy to facilitate a team for them. When you said they played against uh, a women's team from America, that was, a made up of, was it made up of just a couple of clubs or was it just made up of perhaps the whole of America women's teams, like the national team coming across? There was a couple of clubs. My understanding was that it was a few of the, the girls from the, the more southern states. I know the, um, the Denver girls made up, I think, the majority of the team. Uh, I could be wrong. I'm sorry if I am, but I think that's how it was made up and some other girls from a few other clubs. Um, we had been in contact with uh, the Denver Bulldogs and also the Austin Crows to get an international carnival set up. Um, and through that, we were able to organise the women's game as well. Um, and that basically just uh, allowed us to show the Colombians uh, what football's actually like when you play against other Australians or people who have been playing the game for for uh, an extended period of time. Especially getting a team as successful as Denver down. Um, I'm actually a little bit disappointed that never came up in our conversation with them the other week, Rift. Yeah, yeah it's something that we covered so much in that conversation. It was probably <laughs> and they the neglected thing. to talk about the Bogota Bulldogs. Oh, they probably did, but it was just, there was that much information coming in. And that's actually why I brought that up because I was going through, I'm like, oh, Denver. All right, make sure we try and work that in somewhere. Our good friends over in Denver. Yeah, so uh, um, one of our community members, Paddy Smallwood, he's got a, a friend who is involved with the Denver Bulldogs and they had been going back and forth for quite a while trying to get something set up. And once we were able to do it, we then got in touch with the Austin Crows and um, you know, within the space of, I think, a month, six weeks, we were able to get both teams down and we organised um, those games and it was just great to have, one, a bit of competition because we always play amongst ourselves in, in Colombia. It's very hard for teams to come um, come to Bogota. I mean, you know, not many people know we actually exist to begin with. So um, just to have a, a, a team come down was fantastic. And then obviously to see the the difference in skill level and things like that, and to show the Colombians, okay, this is what normally happens when you're when you're playing footy. 
um, this is what you can expect in terms of skill, intensity, all these types of things. Um, it was just great to be able to showcase that and to, and to host those teams. Yeah, fantastic. Like you mentioned that not, people, not many people know you didn't exist. So when I've been trying to find clubs for this, I got to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm going to try and get someone from every single continent besides probably Antarctica. And um, I mean, couldn't find a South American team. Rifty, do you want to say, let him know, our listeners know what I said to you when I found the South American club? I remember. Well, along, the lines, <laughs> along the lines of what the message might have been? No, I can't remember. It was along the said? lines of, holy fuck, I found a South American club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah That's about was, right, mate. He was getting pretty frustrated. He was, couldn't find a South American. He couldn't find an African team. And they were the two places. And when he found you guys, he was uh, pretty excited. We still haven't found an African team, so uh, we're still working on that. You got to keep searching. Yeah, well, look, in terms of um, South America, the, the Santiago Saints were the first to, to kick it off. They were the first team that was in, in, on the continent um, in Chile. They had a bunch of expats there um, for a decade or so because of the, the mining boom and a lot of mining companies from Australia were over there. So a bunch of Aussies went across um, and they were able to get footy going there. And they sort of, um, you know, laid the blueprint in, in a way for us that um, we're able to, to bounce a lot of ideas off them and just ask, you know, what, did, what were you doing to, to set up? How did you get how you get the local community involved and things like that? Um, so we, we were very, very happy when they said to us that, okay, we're going to come up to you, to you guys and play a game of footy, the first one on the continent. Um, and we've had four, three other games since. Uh, we're playing for the Los Andes Cup um, because of the Andes Mountains that connect the two countries. Um, so each year we do a home and away style, home and away style competition, um, which Bogota is leading three one at this stage. Uh, and we hope that uh, next year we get to do it again. Yeah, lovely. Just another thing you mentioned about the American clubs coming down to you. When I was speaking to, I've gone blank with his name, so my apologies. But he was saying that it's uh, actually you guys are trying to work on a little club from Gippsland way coming over in 2021 for a game, hopefully. Yeah, uh, the Tura Footy Club, if I'm saying that correctly, um, is looking to come over to, to Oz, trying to be the first Australian team uh, to come over to Colombia and play us uh, over there. Um, so we're doing all we can to, to organise that. Hopefully there's international travel um, and we don't have to, to worry about what's going on at the moment. So we're not uh, interrupted anywhere in terms of uh, playing, getting people across. But yeah, hopefully we can get them across and you know, basically any other footy team that wants to come and play us. We're, we're more than happy to host, uh, not just to play your footy, but also just to show Colombia in general. It's a, it's a pretty nice place. And if you, get the, if you get across there, if you get the opportunity to, to be in the country, it's, it's really nice. So you know, for anybody looking to do it, come across. Say whatever you want, Rifty, but make sure you cut it out. No, no. I was, <laughs> it, it reminds me of a story I once heard. That, uh, so I'm a fan of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, so I used to... Training um, my friends that are black belts and stuff. And um, a common story you hear is guys that go, well, I want to go to Brazil. I want to go to Rio, go to the home of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I want to train, you know, feel what it's like to train with the, the Brazilians and train hard. And, and they get there and they, they might go train, but then they, hit, they see the beach with all the women and that's it. They're lost to the, the party life. They don't end up going to train as hard as they plan on doing. Is it a similar situation in Colombia? Is it sort of hard to get the guys to take the game a bit, a bit more serious? Well, I can confirm everything about the uh, the women aspect. Uh, so, 
gorgeous, gorgeous people over there. Um, in terms of the footy, we've actually had a lot of success because it's just something to do, especially for the Aussie guys. Uh, we've been able to to break away from from all of that stuff. Um, however, you know, we we train during the day and during the night. That's a different story. <laughs> you know, he likes to sit in there. As I said, Riff, you may want to cut this out. He likes to sit there, and whenever we hear like social side of things from clubs, it's He's sitting there trying to work out, like, fuck, we're going to lose more players to this club, more players to this club. <laughs> I reckon he could be a bit concerned about blokes going to Columbia. <laughs> well, mate, to be honest, I mean, once you, once you understand uh, how the place is over there, it's very hard to leave. I mean, I've been there for, you know, since 2015, I started living there. Um, and it's, it's hard to leave once you get into the lifestyle, once you understand how things work, uh, you know, you get the language behind you as well. Um, it's... Very hard to, to leave that place. And I, I don't think too many of our boys are putting in the time to learn Spanish and, and <laughs> you know, get oh. part of that culture. I think... Um, Jeez, I don't know. I reckon a few would uh, look at the uh, savings I'd make and be like, yeah, it's a small investment. <laughs> they might have to learn it because they're locked up in prison and it's the only way they uh, can work their way around it. But anyway, let's, let's get back on track. Um, so you've had some pretty good numbers by the sense of how hard has it been to get players involved in the club and, and how many players, you know, taking that we're uh, locked down at the moment, how many players would you have had this year? Uh, look, in the beginning, it wasn't difficult at all to, to get players in. I mean, we had the, the added benefit that there were a lot of Australians at the time. So it was easy to, to get people to training and want to have a kick. Um, through that, we were able to speak to the rest of the expat community, get other nationalities involved, people from other sports as well, people from the soccer clubs, people from the rugby club. So we had uh, a decent amount of people in the beginning and it carried through for quite a, a while. We ended up um, getting to the point where we thought, okay, considering we've got the, such big numbers, let's start a, a mini league, a mini domestic league. And uh, we broke off into three teams, the Bogota Bulldogs, the Bogota Bull Ants and the uh, the Aguilas um, and we had I think on, on registry about 80 or 90 people that put their hands up to play or, or to at least be a part of of the domestic league not not week in week out but you know throughout the league we can call on them and say okay are you available this week or whatnot um, yeah so about 80 or 90 people um, who were who were registered and wanted to play um, now of course with whatever with everything that's going on um, we usually have, at least in the first couple of months of this year, there were about 25 to 35 people that were coming in. So we've been getting regular numbers. The only problem is now that, of course, we can't be together, but um, hopefully these, these social distancing restrictions get lifted and we can go back to training. Yeah, fingers crossed for you, mate. So like, whereabouts do you guys train and play? Well, mate, you can imagine uh, they've never seen an Aussie rules football before in their lives. They don't know anything about the sport and we're in a country where it's, soccer or you know round ball mad um and all of the pitches are designed for, for soccer uh, so there aren't too many places where we can go and play um and whenever we do have games we have to we have to rent soccer pitches which makes it difficult to play um games that are above sort of 12 on 12 just considering of the the, the the space on the on the pitch so we play you know anywhere from nines to 12s on soccer pitches for for our games and um in the middle of the city, there's a, a big X uh, polo field that's now been turned into a, a public park. Um, lots of space. So we, we train there every Saturday, um, among other sports that are there, uh, mostly ultimate frisbee, which is 
surprisingly really, really, really popular in Colombia. I'm not sure how they got that, but um, a lot of people playing ultimate frisbee, also uh, American football, um, things like that. So yeah, we find a, a pocket in the corner each Saturday and uh, uh, we get the cones out and we train there. But it's very, very difficult to find space. Yeah, lovely. So you mentioned about the uh, height above sea level before that you guys play and train at. The altitude, I should say. I'm not, oh, I'm not bloody good with that type of shit. But um, <laughs> what's it like and how hard is it to play in that type of altitude? Mate, in the beginning, it's a little bit difficult to get used to. You're walking around the city and all of a sudden you feel out of breath or when you go up the stairs to, to get to your apartment or things like this. Um, you know, it's quite surprising in the beginning. You don't think you'd be affected too much, but you do some sort of you know, light physical activity and all of a sudden you're short of breath. Uh, but that passes, you know, after a month or so when you're there um, and you get used to the fact that you're, you're above sea level and you don't even notice it really. So once you start training, um, it's not it's not anything that disrupts you in any way. Um, it's just that initial, you know, two to four weeks in the beginning when you get used to it, uh, that's a bit difficult. But afterwards, everything's relatively fine. I mean, look, to be honest, you know, we're not uh, we're not supreme athletes either, mate. So it's not if we were running, we're running thousands of thousands of laps or anything like that during the year um you know it's a it's, it's a kick on a, a relatively small space and um you know not 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 too much physical activity especially from some of the older guys that got. <laughs> that's the attitude i like to have as well in my footy um how hard is it for you guys to get playing gear and training gear across there uh difficult mate um the only things that we can really buy in colombia are the boots uh that's easy to come by um, we've got a bloke who is quite tall, so his size 15 or 16 foot really isn't uh, available. He's got to get it in from, uh, from the States. But anything else we get from um, from Oz in terms of footies or uh, you know, goalposts, things like that, basically comes with somebody who's gone back home for a bit and then um, returns to Bogota. We always get a, a shipment of new things when we know that somebody's coming, coming back to Bogota. That's the only way, mate. Um, it's very difficult to get other stuff. Um. So before we move on to the next question, I reckon you got a good opportunity to try and get some AFL clubs over to Bogota in their off-seasons to do pre-season camps and stuff. You just say how good, you know, the altitude training is. It's all, you know, you've got all these uh, uh, fighters and stuff that train at altitude. I reckon that's, there you go. That's a sales pitch to take to the AFL. Get the exactly, off. mate. Well... I thought you were going to go with the beautiful woman as a sales pitch. Well, <laughs> that's just the added bonus, the, the cherry on top. But Well, there are a few teams that go and train in Colorado. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, I mean, I might have to, uh, to speak to some of those clubs and say, you know, this is, there's a place where you can train at 2,600-odd uh, metres above sea level and uh, you can enjoy a, a different landscape and uh, some place you haven't been to before. And it's not as snowy as some of those other places that are, exactly. You've got that that are used normally. The heat, the heat, and the altitude—it's it's it's a win-win. I reckon. You know, it's something you got to work on while you're still in Oz. Get get some AFL teams over there and grow the game a bit for you if you get some of those guys over. Mate, that'd be perfect. The the weather aspect at uh, 2,600 meters is not as good as it is at sea level. You know, it's sort of like a Melbourne, uh, 16 to 24 degrees normally all year round. There are no seasons uh, in Bogota, at least. Um, so that aspect, you know, it's not as not as bad as being in uh, in Boulder or somewhere there where it's you know snow cover in, in yeah. every place. Well, you should have sold me on that weather. That's my perfect weather, sixteen to twenty-four. Well, mate, come across, bring as many people as you like. Yeah. What's the, the 
the blokes he would bring, they would never make a top footy pitch at all. Uh, <laughs> no, I reckon they could. I'd have to no, take them there first. Mate, <laughs> they wouldn't last two days. You, two days, I'd give it, and they'd be, uh, they'd be either locked up, or you would never see them again. They'd mate, you give them more credit than I would. I'd say a day. Yeah. <laughs> Boys, we'll see how they go first. Give them the first run out and see how they see how they take to it. You can decide after that. <laughs> after that. Um, but speaking of this, the fun side of stuff, what's what's the social side like? For like, what do you guys have any functions, or or is it just uh, you know get-togethers after games? So every Saturday after training, we go to um, Tien, which is basically a corner store, and they're allowed to sell alcohol and you're allowed to drink there. So they get a run every single Saturday without fail. Um, apart from that, we have a bunch of uh, club fundraisers that we do. Um, we also have our presentation nights, things like that, and, of course, the AFL Grand Final Party that we've been doing for the last four years. Uh, unfortunate that with the time difference, it's always, you know, middle of the night, but um, that always seems to be a success. And we, we did change that question because it used to be, what did you do for the grand final? And it you have to keep you. bringing it up, mate, seriously. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know, mate. There's going to be some guys. Grand final day in Colombia. Uh, that would be uh, one hell of a night, that's for sure. Exactly. So we're effectively in the past because uh, Saturday, Oz time is Friday night, Colombia. So after the game, uh, there's plenty of things to do. And uh, especially if your team wins, you can go straight through the weekend. Gee, so uh, let's not go spreading that too loudly. But um, <laughs> what about support for the club? Have you managed to gain any sponsorships or anything like that for the club? Yeah, guys, we have. Um, we're lucky enough that members of the, the footy club um, who have been tr- business interests in, in Colombia and in Bogota have um, generously donated to the club. Um, Gringo Tuesdays Language Exchange, uh, the Cranky Croc ho- uh, Hostel. Um, we've had uh, also uh, for, our, um, for our domestic league, um, Blue Studies International, Gourmet Burger Bar, uh, speak to me language services they've all helped the club grow um in and it's just been wonderful to have their support um of course you know a lot of this stuff doesn't happen unless you have sponsorship and um we're very thankful for for, for everything that we've received from from our local community as well as internationally we've had um we've had a lot of support from the department of foreign affairs and the government of victoria especially with our uh, women's program and um, having the underprivileged um, participate in what we're doing with the footy club in games and in training. Um, uh, we've had a company from Code Nation, um, a guy who um, is from Adelaide who participated in um, in footy with us here, um, was able to sponsor us as well. So we've had uh, a bunch of help um, internationally and nationally um, from, from, from companies and it's just been great. We have been able to continue what we're doing and it's not just been a kick in the park. It's actually grown into a club and, uh, you know, that doesn't happen without that support. And also I must mention that we have, um, we've had great support from, um, Sophie Davis, who's the Australian ambassador to Colombia and Venezuela. Um, she's generously, um, donated a lot of her time and efforts into helping the club grow. Uh, her sons also participate with us in the games and in training. Um, so, you know, things like that just, just make it a lot easier for people who want to start these type of things. If you've got that support behind you, it's, it's much easier to continue. We're uh, eternally grateful to everybody who supported us so far. Um, and we just hope that it continues so we, can, so we can go forward with the club. 
Yeah, it's bloody fantastic to not only get support from over there, but also from government officials, from even back at home. But uh, before we get on to you know, your playing career and whatnot, you mentioned something at the start, which I've been just trying to hold off on. You mentioned how you were following the Socceroos around to Brazil in 2014. So I'm going to guess you were there for that Tim Cahill goal. I was, mate. I was there. I, uh, I, if I can remember, I was at the opposite corner, corner flag uh, at, no, during the first half against the, the Dutch. Uh, came over Timmy's shoulder and then we just erupted, mate. Uh, it was yeah, ridiculous. It's probably one of, the, one of the best days of my life, you know, the, the lead up to that day. Uh, and they're the only tickets we had for the game. So the, they're, they played three games and we were lucky enough to get the, the Dutch game. Um, so to be there and to witness it, especially to go up to one against the Dutch, who um, you know, always favourites of tournaments, it was just amazing. And everyone erupted the beard flying, each other yelling. What not? Such a great experience, and yeah, something that I'll never forget. That goal was amazing. Yeah, good old uh, beer showers. Yeah, so Tim Cahill with me is a very uh, he pulls on the green and gold jersey. He's a superstar. He pulls on when he put on that sky blue jersey. Absolute flog of a bloke. But um, mate, it's good that you say that because we've got a we've got a bloke that supports Everton. Um, loves Timmy Cahill, but unfortunately, it's just that he supports the wrong team. But uh, yeah, I know, I know how you feel. A bunch of us know how you feel, mate. Yeah, so it's uh, it's painful to, you know, to know what he turns into, but remember what he was. And I remember it would have been about 3 a.m. in the morning here, and I was sitting on my couch, start, you know, just trying to keep my eyes open. Could we think they had, was it, they had just scored a week, they had just scored, hadn't they, before that? Yeah, so they went up 1 0. Um, we lost the ball uh, basically midfield halfway line. And, uh, Robin took it, uh, went down and scored. Um, and then basically from the restart, um, somebody had it on the wing, clipped it into the box, and he just bowled it straight home. Yeah, I remember sitting there just being like, ah, oh, great. This could be a very long night like some other Socceroos games have been. And then all of a sudden it was, holy shit. <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was something yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah. Look, to be honest, uh, we. Didn't have too many expectations. I mean, you know, you're coming up against the Dutch. They're obviously a really good footballing nation. Um, we thought, you know, possibly because they're big bodies, we're big bodies, we can sort of match it physically. Uh, but technique-wise, we're obviously not on the same on the same level. But to go up to one and then to to just think for a moment, hey, can we actually win this? Can we get a point or something? Uh, yeah, it was just incredible. Obviously, we ended up getting done, but um, yeah, it was a great experience. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've actually still got a picture in my phone of. The uh, TV when it said Australia two, Netherlands one because it's just something I'm like oh cannot believe this is happening. But anyway, Rifty, get back to your next question. Might have I've taken too much of your time of soccer today, mate. <laughs> is Tim Cahill the one that punches the flag when he scores a goal? Is that yeah. it? That's a bad one. Yeah, that's all I know. I saw a highlight one time. <laughs> Maybe that goal. <laughs> Shirt off, slides on the ground, and then yeah, does all that. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. All that, all that stuff, mate. Yeah, it's not my. His knowledge of soccer goes. What was it? Green Street Hooligans. Yeah, <laughs> Green Street Hooligans. Good flick. Um, I may or may take Beckham. Oh, yeah, sorry, forget about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's uh, talk a bit about your career before you went over to Bogota. So you're an Aussie. Uh, how how long did you play here, and sort of where did you play for? Give you a junior club a shout out and all that. Yeah, mate, I, I started a bit late playing footy. I started playing in under-14s for uh, McLeod Footy Club in the 
Northern Footy League. Um, uh, I played for a few years and then stopped for work and then got back into it and then stopped again for work and saving up for this trip that I went on in 2014. Um, yeah, so I was playing with them. A um, couple of highlights. Not the best footballer, certainly not. Uh, but it was just good to, to play with uh, some schoolmates and just to get involved with footy. I mean, it, you know, basically, when I was growing up, it's footy during the, the winter and cricket during the summer. So I was definitely a part of all that stuff. Very nice. So what, what positive did you play in Australia? Uh, mate, so first game I was put up forward. I played full forward, kicked four goals on debut. And basically for the rest of my career, I think I managed to kick four goals. So I was put down the back line. After that, um, I've basically been playing halfback ever since. Uh, yeah, so not, not too glamorous in terms of the career and what I was doing up uh, forward. That's uh, unfortunate because no, now, now you're going to give him <laughs> ammo to say, yeah, that's right, back men are just failed forwards. And... Uh, I, would, I would never say that. I was just going to say, can you just edit that out and just to show people and put it on our Facebook page, show how hard it is to be a forward. You know? I don't think I get enough credit well, to deserve. Well, I mean, you know, you'd, you'd think after kicking four goals in your first game ever uh, for a club that you'd, you'd stick up there, but uh, no, nah, they put me down back and that's where I stayed for, for the majority of the career. Well, I, spent, uh, <laughs> I actually spent a lot of my like, early junior days as a fullback and a ruckman and then I'd moved clubs and under 13s and was put at full forward, kicked six and never moved again. So I'm thankful that, <laughs> I'm thankful that my football career turned out a bit bit differently than yours because that could have been me if I had have, uh, failed you know, again after that. Um, so obviously playing footy over here and across in South America, what's been your biggest highlight? Uh, well, look, playing in, in Oz, um, I was lucky enough to play in the Premiership when I was playing under-19s for McLeod. Um, uh, we, won a, we won the under-19 Premiership. Um, we, were, we went to two grand finals when I was playing with them. Unfortunately, we, won the, we lost the second one, but uh, the first one was um, definitely a highlight, real highlight of mine. Um, and, of course, being in Bogota, being a part of the first international AFL match on the continent in South America, it was just you know, a really, really great achievement. Of course, you know, we're not playing for ship stations or anything like that. It's not a, um, a, a serious game. But you know, for us, it was just really nice to be able to showcase our game in another part of the world. Um, and just to have, you know, other Aussies involved, plus people from other nations, Colombians, and also people from Chile. Um, it was just great to be a part of. So myself and the, all the other guys who were involved will always be um, happy to do that. And it's a great memory to have. Yeah, it's fantastic. So another question that we'd love to ask, who's, who do you follow in the AFL? Mate, I'm a Richmond supporter. Um, a lot of my life has been just watch my team not do well at all. Um, it's been pretty sad, you know, growing up, I used to go to the footy with that all the time. And uh, he was telling me a story the other day, actually, um, we were talking about management and how bad they were when I was growing up. Just, uh, he told me one time that I said to him that, uh, you know, Dad, I don't want to come to the footy anymore because Richmond keep getting done by 80, 100 points. Uh, but of late, obviously, I've been over the moon. Um, two out of the last three, uh, it's pretty good considering where they've come from. Yeah. Right, two questions off that. Rifty, is that what your boys say to you being a Carlton supporter? <laughs> Secondly, um, how shit was that? Like, not since I shit, but now how shit was that that you've spent your whole life going to the footy and they're getting beaten by 80 points and then they become good and you're off the other side of the world? 
so a few of my mates have asked the same question and um, my response is, look, if, it, if I have to be out of the country for Richmond to win a grand final, I'll happily live somewhere else. Yeah, no, it's probably a fair question, actually. Fair answer. <laughs> but anyway, Rift, you've had time to think about it, mate. Is that, was I correct? No, nah, mate. Nah, mate. <laughs> My boys always sing in the Carlton theme song. They, they don't know any better. So, <laughs> um, you know, but anyway, uh, so you, you, you just uh, you said, well, we're not playing for sheep stations, which is a very Aussie sort of clip. You know, you hear that all the time when you're uh, playing Aussie rules in Australia. Uh, have you, have you uh, managed to translate any. Um, of those sort of little unique Aussie sayings into Spanish that you can, you know, share with the Colombians? Like, is, is that one that translate well or is there other? Look, that... unfortunately, a lot of these things, especially expressions between languages, don't translate. Um, at least literally they don't translate. Um, but they understand the same idea. And we might say to them, oh, this is what it means. And then um, they say, oh, yeah, this is the Spanish equivalent. Um, sometimes it'll actually be quite similar. And other times uh, they'll, they'll be completely different. And you just think, how do they get there with that understanding? But then we tell them, well, we say to them, okay, this is what we say when we want to say this particular thing. And then they're thinking those words shouldn't be in combination to mean that thing. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's often funny when, you know, we're joking in our Aussie English, you know, in our, in Australia slang. And um, they're looking at us thinking, what are these guys on about? Even the people who understand English quite well, they're thinking, I've got no idea what you're saying. And obviously, you know, the, the Colombians, are, they've got their own jokes. And for us, it's like, mm, you know, that might be funny. You're all laughing, but we've got no idea what you say. <laughs> you sit there and say even English-speaking people find it hard. So we've done interviews with, you know, clubs from America, France. Yeah. Uh, where else have we done? Germany, Copenhagen, which is wherever that is. I've gone blank on that one. So we're speaking to a wide range of people. And the uh, clubs that our lingo has got lost in translation in the most has been the English speaking clubs. The clubs from Germany and France, they, you know, I think might be a bit subconsciously, we're not trying to be too, you know, Australian, but they yeah. pick it up where the Americans are just, well, America, I think Denver was the first one and it was, they just had no idea in just simple little lingos that would say without even thinking. Yeah, mate, look, we, we get a lot of looks from the other expats, the Anglo expats that have participated in the games and trainings with us. Um, you know, they have to say to us, well, what are you guys on about? You know, we're speaking the same language, but there's just no understanding as to what we're trying to say. I mean, look, it happens, uh, you know, being over there for, for so long, becoming friends with people from different countries, um, being in different cultural situations. You know, when the Aussies start talking together, it's often, okay, now we're going to speak this kind of way and then we have to sort of think, oh, hold on, there are other people participating in the conversation they don't really know what we're on about so we're going to tone it down a bit oh, so what's a what's a spanish one that's a common you know you use in every game sort of thing like you know like like that not playing for sheep station that sort of thing hit us with a spanish one so something uh, like so something like hit me on the fucking tits you know something like that, you know, that just, <laughs> something that i would say <laughs> So uh, there's one thing that they have um, when they play soccer and it's Agamefoso, which means make me famous. It's basically uh, the like, give me the Hollywood pass or something like that. So there you go. That's similar. That's, you know, I want to hear, I want it right out in front sort of thing. Like, don't make yeah, that's too it. hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, there, are, there, are, there are certain few things that, um, that they do say and uh, we're all sort of all scratching our heads thinking, uh, what's going on? Especially the guys who don't understand. Spanish. 
um, they've just got no hope. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, for example, when I'm sitting there hurling abuse at midfielders and forwards to get the fuck out of my hole? Could you imagine the confusion on people that don't know the lingo of the footy game? I'm sitting there saying, get out of my hole. That's not probably going to look, it's going to sound quite strange for someone who has no, no idea. No, look, if you, if you start, if you start taking it literally, then yeah, you're going to, yeah, you're going to look like an absolute weirdo. Yeah, yeah. If you don't know the, the vocabulary that normally is used on a footy field, um, yeah, things are going to go over your head or you're going to misinterpret basically everything. Yeah. Kick it to the fat side. That'd be another one. Yeah. All that type of stuff. And, you know, the beginning, we, we were trying to translate all that stuff. Well, you know, you can't translate that stuff. You just say kick it to the side with no players or you know, kick it to the empty space. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm surprised in 2020 that hasn't been uh, knocked on the head. You can't say that for, you know, in case you might offend the fat person. Yeah. Like possibly, you know. <laughs> there are a couple of blokes... Uh, who usually, I think, have copped much worse than that over the years. Yeah. Right? So I think everyone's got pretty, pretty thick skin. All right. This is, uh, it's time for our sort of favourite questions. It's time we like to call throw players under the bus. So uh-huh. we want some, some dirt on your teammates and stuff. So uh, we've got a couple little, um, you know, things we want to ask. And you just, yeah, throw a player under the bus for each one. Or, you know, a couple if they fit the, fit the profile. But, yeah, what's Perfect. the first one, Ed, though? All right, so who at the Bulldogs would you say is the is the ladies' man? Uh, we've got a bloke by the name of Hollywood. I think he's a bit of a ladies' man. And actually on the girls' side, uh, Joanna, she's a bit of a ladies' woman. I think those two fit the bill on that one. Yeah, so for all these, if you can give us one for the men and the women, that'd be absolutely fantastic. Uh, Did he give himself the nickname Hollywood or...? Uh, yeah, he came to the club and I don't know if someone asked what his nickname was or if he introduced himself as Hollywood, um, but that was uh, the name that stuck, that stuck basically from the beginning. Yeah. I do wonder how many blokes would actually, you know, have never played somewhere, have always wanted this nickname and when they go somewhere, they don't know anybody. It's like, oh yeah, name's Hollywood. Yeah. He's never been called Hollywood, he's Hollywood in his life, but he just wants it. I feel like there'd be a few blokes out there like that. It's a great opportunity oh. to, uh, to rebrand yourself, isn't it? Yeah, I could use a, Sim- a Simpsons reference here, but I won't. So, uh, <laughs> uh, the class clown or the joker of the club? Um, yes, yeah, on the Colombian side, a guy that takes the warm-ups in the beginning, Juan David, is a bit of a jokester. He's always uh, trying to make people laugh. Some of his jokes go down like lead balloons. There's another bloke, uh, Santa, the same thing, a bit of a class clown. And uh, on the Aussie side, I don't know, I think maybe our, our fossil, Dino. Oh, good. Uh, and also, of course, like you must say too, uh, the, the dad jokes that go around in the club are uh, it's a shocking amount of those. <laughs> shocking amount. Faz, Trav, Dean, they're all there. Well, if you can, uh, when we get off this, just pass some on to me because by the time <laughs> this comes out, I won't be too far off uh, netting them jokes. So, <laughs> well, mate, I'll give you, I'll give you uh, Andy's number, and you guys yeah. can talk uh, for hours on that one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, my dad jokes weren't good the other day. So when I started to crack some to Kelly, she wasn't too impressed. So I think I might need to work on my game. You got you got plenty of time, but um, in a place where it's known to be, you know, people go there to party. Who's the biggest party animal? Uh, might have to give the same one to to Hollywood. I mean, you can't have that name without being. You know, the ladies men or the party. So I think you've got to give it to him. And uh, on the Colombian side, I think uh, Sergio, one of the Colombians, is always bringing music down to trainings and to the games and seem to be, you know, pretty much just house or electronic music. Uh, so those two. 
Yeah, all right. And who's the person that just takes the game far too seriously for a you know the domestic game in uh, in the middle of Colombia? Definitely, our mate Chris uh, takes it far too seriously. He got uh, BOG in one of the uh, um, Los Andes games against Chile, um, and he hasn't let us forget it. That was four years ago, so um, yeah, he's definitely definitely the one that comes to mind. Well, there's nothing wrong with not letting not, not letting blokes forget about it. So we'll see. We'll see I've added one to the run sheet, as you'll see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who has the what's the best nickname at the club? Uh, a Colombian fellow, the first time he came down, he was introducing himself. Um, and his name is York Michael, though that's his first name or his first two names. And we, for some reason, thought it was George Michael when he first said it. So, you know, of course, immediately we started calling him Wham. And uh, that's that stuck the whole way through. So every time since his first training session, and you know, after he introduced himself, basically, we, we didn't call him York or Michael, we called him Wham. So, you know, within the first five minutes, he had that nickname that stuck through the whole time. I'm already glad that I've put this question in. <laughs> yes. that's, a good one. that's a good nickname. Too. <laughs> yeah. You're the first one that we've asked that. And when this comes out, I'm not too sure of the one. Like, there might be some recordings that come out after this that don't have it. But when I was writing the question up for you today, I'm like, I've got to start adding the best nicknames because I feel like we're just missing out on getting some great stories. But um, uh, great, uh, great question. Um, yeah, as soon as I read, I was like, well, yeah, it, it's it's got to be. It has to be Wham. You don't get too many people that are named York, Michael, especially, you know, the, the way he was saying it in English. We all thought it was George. And then, yeah, we just, we, we all just took off. Yeah, it's, that's fantastic. All right. So the next one, because I'm uh, obviously a bloke, a bit of a bromance myself. Which two blokes at the club have got the biggest bromance? Uh, so Wham is also in this one. He and Santi, um, two of the Colombian boys, joined at the hip. Um, you never see one without the other. So they, those two definitely have the bromance going on. Very nice. Um, uh, we've enjoyed this conversation. Uh, thanks for joining us. But uh, where can everyone go to follow along with the Bogota Bulldogs? And, you know, you might even get some people hitting you up to come over for a game or a kick at some point. So, yeah, where can everyone follow along? So on the, the socials, we're on Facebook and Instagram, Bogota Bulldogs. We've also got our website, bogotabulldogs.com. Um, and yeah, like you said, we, we, we're more than happy to host um, teams in, in Bogota. Um, it's something that the Colombians don't get to see. Um, there's, there's, no, there's no footy telecast in, in, in Colombia, um, nothing live. Um, and we always play amongst ourselves. So whenever we get the opportunity to play against another team, um, you know, everybody's so excited from the moment they hear the news to when the game comes. Uh, uh, so for anybody, any team wanting to, to do an end-of-season trip or um, just wanting to get out of Oz um, or get out of wherever they're from and, and, and travel and, and play another team in another country, um, definitely consider coming to Colombia. Apart from the football, it's a, it's a gorgeous country. Um, there's so many things you can do there. Um, the landscape's amazing. Um, and we like to think we put on a really good show. So... Um, for anybody who's, who's interested and individuals, if you're just passing through and you want to have a kick of the footy, we're always willing to have people come down and, and just, just sharing what we're doing. So uh, Facebook and, and Instagram, Bogota Bulldogs and bogotabulldogs.com. It's our website. Um, if you're keen to get in touch with us, please do. We're happy to host you. Yeah, mate, I think you'll have plenty of people, like I've said to a couple of other places, that once lockdown's lifted, I know, 
it's going to be hundreds of people just ready to burst out of their houses and jump on the flight somewhere. And I'm sure once uh, once some of the footy boys know that there's footy getting played over in Bogota, they'll be over there for sure. I think also... No, exactly. Um, I think also we don't get a footy... Like a lot of uh, leagues don't get a footy season this year. There'll be blokes wanting to travel and be wanting to pull the boots on anywhere in the world they can. And I reckon uh, Bogota would be a bloody perfect place for it as well. Uh, honestly, we're... we're... We're always willing to have people, and I mean, you know, if if you're just wanting to to, to travel or anything like that, Colombia is quite a you know relatively cheap place to to travel in terms of um, Aussie dollar to to the Colombian peso. Um, you know, it's not expensive um, to be there. Um, you can go to other places in the world. Obviously, you're gonna it's gonna hit the pocket a little bit harder. But going to South America, you know, going to see the ass, going to see the boys in Chile, um, you can be there for a while, and it's not going to hurt too much. But um, yeah, like I said. It's an amazing country, the football side. Um, the culture is fantastic and everything that goes with it. So if you get a chance, absolutely go for it. Uh, I think you need to get a job uh, promoting Colombia a bit and uh, work with the travel travel side of things, mate. You're doing a good job selling it to us. And uh, like I said, I think this, the more people that hear this, there are going to be plenty more that are going to want to over, get over there and uh, enjoy their Bogota lifestyle and, and you know, you might be lucky to get one or two of them to come have a kick with you. <laughs> oh, mate, fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, but thanks again for joining us and um, enjoy the rest of your night. Is there anything else you want to add, Etok? I just want to thank you for joining us, mate. We appreciate it. Um, as we said at the start of the interview, you're currently in Melbourne, so that does make our life a little bit easier with recording. And uh, I reckon before you nick back off over to Columbia, mate, we need to get you down to our club or we can meet somewhere and get you a polo shirt or a jumper or something like that to a bit of a bit of a thank you and save us for having to save our shipping price for once <laughs> <laughs> no worries lads thanks for having me it's been a pleasure thank you so much oh, thank you thanks again for joining us for this episode of the cobra cast with the president vp uh thanks again to our guest and make sure you go check out all their social media and follow along with their journey but at dog, where can everyone go to, to get these links and stuff? Mate, you head to our Facebook page. At, uh, you can search the Sandown Cobras Football Netball Club or Sandown Cobras FNC. Our Instagram, at Sandown Cobras FNC. Our Twitter page, at Sandown Cobras. There's another page on there, at Sandown Cobras FC. Ignore that. Twitter won't delete it for some reason. Uh, you can also check out the Cobracast on iTunes and Spotify. Um, other than that, Mark, I reckon that's about it. Oh, sorry. You can also head to our website, www.sandancobrasfnc.com.au. Being remastered, all good to go. New website. That's it, Mark. Yeah, go check it all out. Make sure you follow along all the clubs that we've had on and, and uh, you know, follow along their journey as they keep going in Aussie rules all around the world. So we hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you on the next one. Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info because zero is the only acceptable number.